Welcome to Relief Podcast from the Akron Art Museum, comfort and joy for these uncertain times. My name is Seema Rao. I'm the Deputy Director and Chief Experience Officer at the Akron Art Museum. And I'm Gina Thomas-McGee, Curator of Education at the Akron Art Museum. So today our topic is care, and care is a great word in terms of museums. I think oftentimes when I think about care is how we care for our collections for posterity. That's a big word. You know, in education, you care for a lot of young minds. Absolutely. And teachers and parents and community. I think care is an even better word for these uncertain times. You know, we started this relief podcast because Gina is at her house and I'm at my house. Um, And so care has really been something I've been thinking a lot about, probably a little bit self-focused, but about the care of us, the people who are working here. We're still working hard, even if we're at our houses. How has care changed in your life as your work has changed? (laughs) (laughs) So care for me has gotten even a little bit more full-time. I have a four-year-old and a seven-month-old. And so essentially I'm caring for them um, all day and then also doing work for the museum, which is, you know, is actually a bright spot in my day to be able to use my brain that way. And, but it's been a lot. I mean, there's not much room for self-care over here because, you know, I'm running a daycare and a preschool and being a museum educator. You know, I think like everyone I've heard talk about anything is like, I'm so thankful. And also it's hard, you know, simultaneously. You know, it's interesting you say that because so care at the museum, I think about all the challenges we have with caring for collections and visitors. And I think people have no idea, like thinking about conservation. One of the things that always is amazing to me is how I would never in a million years touch a thing. Just it would never even occur to me and how many people by accident touch it, you know, that they they maybe have swept by it and how much care we have to take to make sure we put place things and objects in places where people won't swipe by it by accident or how much care you and I, for example, spend thinking about interpretation and like, how do we teach people about collections? You know, there's a lot of care in our work, but now our whole job and like our idea of care has changed because what people need is so different. You were just saying exactly what my life is like, too. I'm doing this recording. I'm hiding in my room from my <laughs> my children who are just finished with their online learning and have homework. And my dog, who is really not happy with being a shut-in. She wants to go in a car <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> and, like, so now I'm, you know, like, I was getting ready for, to think about this podcast. And all of the kinds of care that we used to do used to be at different times of the day. And now they're all together. Yeah, everything is simultaneous. Yeah, and it's so hard. It makes it so challenging. Um, and so I was trying to think of, you know, like what all these articles and I've been reading, you and I have been reading, we talk a lot about you know, the news because we're museums are part of the society that's closed and will have to reopen. And, you know, um, and there was an article I was reading that I really liked about how museums are caring for their patrons now in a different way. And, you know, I think our podcast is a good example. We, we thought people might want to hear something sort of interesting. But I think that there's probably lots of other ways to care for ourselves, because you just said it. There's lots of self-care that everybody's probably not doing. Are you doing anything? Do you have any kinds of things that you have been helping you? I mean, there's a, one really bizarre thing um, that I've been doing, and um, I downloaded the Marco Polo app, which is like a video messaging app. And so my friends and I have been leaving messages for each other just like periodically through the day. And it's been seriously a major, major source of support 
for me to see and it's so humanizing right to see people so many people in their homes like my friends obviously I know what their homes look like and I know what their children look like but just to see a snippet of their day when something beautiful is happening or when something is really hard is happening and I think I've been seeing that all over the world you know like we've I've taken a couple of webinars from really amazing like museum ed people and I know you've done one with an artist and like it's so humanizing seeing people in their homes and how they're sort of I don't know what they're spending their time doing and how they're caring for themselves and caring for their practice, how artists are sort of caring for their practices and their studios. And it's it's really fascinating. I mean, it's not what we would have chosen, right? But it's really interesting. It is interesting, their houses, people's lives and houses. You know, I had taken, I said, I had taken a webinar with the people from Swoon. And then there's, and I've been watching like, you know, many other artists um, around who are doing these videos of themselves doing stuff. And it is so great to see that artist is, arts, artists make stuff. This is hard for artists, that this is a time where, and that's their job. And there's something about, museums that often splits them from the artist so seeing the artist in its own in their own space is so fascinating I mean that's one self-care thing I've done another self-care thing I've done is I've been you know like all the museums are getting together and doing social media so I have to admit you know Akron is one of the people in charge of museum games and so we do a crossword puzzle every Sunday and I've been really enjoying doing that crossword I do it on Wednesday um, because I set it all up but it's great to do that and I've also been trying to find a way that I can feel like I'm you know I read some article about how you have to sort of feel like you're in control and so I have a very I do either fix or finish so I'm one of those people who had like never ending projects, you know, we were making a quilt with the kids and it really just needed to be sewn up one more time or a pillow had a hole, sew it up. But I find really simple things like a crooked picture. I have a lot of prints and stuff that I've collected around town, from around town. Crooked picture, fix it. But I only fix one thing or finish one thing during the day. But having that ability to say that I did a thing is really good because for me, one challenge has been that you can't finish anything. Like productivity has just decreased because so many other things are part of our lives. And, you know, worry and anxiety is just, it's so much. I mean, and that to me is like what museums actually are doing great. You could just go to a museum's website or to their social media and just look at stuff. And, and that is like the best stress relief. I was I don't even know which collection I was looking at. It was, it was, you know, not ours, though ours is wonderful, too. And I was just, like, scanning through their Instagram, just looking at pretty pictures, and I was like, oh, my brain feels good. <laughs> and that's, you know, that, like, I think that kind of downtime is something that people need, and it's okay, right? Exactly. I feel like the thing that I've done for my self-care, like, mentally, too, is to just let go of expectations. You know, I started off this whole experience, like, with a set schedule and, like, ready to sort of conquer it, because I'm not, like, kind of type a you know and I was like okay well what is the plan here's what we're gonna do and it's like I I do this I don't know if you do but to myself a lot like self-imposed rules that aren't real that I just kind of make up and then hold myself to in a really strict bananas way um and I had to let go of so many of those um sort of like expectations of what is going to get done how it's going to feel like productivity even for like personal things you know I'm like that's not going to happen today and it just has to be it has to be okay it's fascinating how much didn't actually matter 100 you're going to the office we we meet all the time 
we get all of our work done. We are on, you know, you know, Slack or whatever. We have still accomplished quite a lot. We've, you know, put out a game every week and we've had social media, extra social media posts and we're working on the office of this podcast. And, and it is funny that the things that mattered are so much less. They're basically what you said, humanity, people and caring for each other. The other thing I think also really mattered is the intimacy of friendship. You know, like you said, like I, you, you said you met two little boys. I actually see them very often, much more often, even though they go to school with my kids, much more often than I saw them before because they, they come on here. You know my giant dog very well, <laughs> <laughs> the, the one that I'm hiding from right now. Um, but we've had this sort of intimacy, which I think is actually going to be a good thing in the long run. I think so too. And just, I feel like what I'm seeing from museums and other organizations and too, it's just like this candid sort of response. And it's just like casual, but in the nicest way, in like the friendliest way, because there's a sense of solidarity now, I think. It's, it's really a shared experience around the globe, you know? So that sense of, I don't know, that we've been through this together and you know, it can get to sound cheesy, but it's legit. <laughs> no, it's true. It's so relevant, right? It is. It's like we've all done this. It's bigger than, you know, where were you at 9-11 or where were you at the stock market crash or whatever it is. It is global. And it, it's, it's fascinating because everyone I talk to says, like, what, what was happening on May 1st? Or, like, they, did we have these benchmarks March 1st or, you know, like, whatever it is. And it is true. It's like this really interesting shared experience. I, you know, I, I think for me, like collections, for example, one of the things that's so hard is that so often it is not a shared experience. Like, I look at so, some of our most beautiful, you know, some of my favorite works of art, like um, the there's, you know, works in our old McDowell Gallery. And um, those works are beautiful. And they're from, many of them are from the region of Northeast Ohio, but they're not stories that mean anything to me. I might, you know, I wasn't alive in 1904. You know, <laughs> like, I didn't wear a dress like that. I didn't, you know, have a bird in a cage. And it, it'll be interesting to see what artists create out of this, because I feel like it will be so immediately relevant. It will feel like so real to so many people because we've all experienced it. Yeah, and I, what I'm hoping is that, I mean, artists have even wider reach after this because, you know, they're reaching out and people are sort of seeking out that kind of interest. And there's lots more word of mouth right now, I think, because you're sort of getting your information from a lot of different sources and like checking in with friends and like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Um, and even though we're isolated, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, today is a hopeful day. <laughs> no, it is. Today is a hopeful day. And we have a good rep right now. Like I had friends who are like, have you ever seen like so-and-so has virtual tours? And I was like, yeah. I mean, some of them I made for other organizations when I worked at other places, but, or like they're my friends who've done them or whatever. And I was like, yes, I know that. That's actually what I do. <laughs> That's part of my job. Um, and it, but it's funny. It'll be so-and-so's friend's mom or something, you know? And I was like, yes, actually lots of museums have digital. We do. <laughs> and um, it's great. We have a great rep. I also kind of hope that people look at collections differently. Like, you know, we're going to um, segue in a second um, to one of our contributors, but about a work by Brian Bress. And the work is this digital work. There's two screens. And I love seeing it in the galleries because they're flat screens. So they almost look, people are so, they, it's funny because flat screens don't feel, they feel so surprising in a gallery where there's paintings or photographs. Um, and there's two kind of figures and you know they kind of look like um I don't know cartoons but in it one of the things I find fascinating is it's two people kind of creating each other's faces right two beings uh creating faces and to me there's such an intimacy that's part of that and I I feel like for you and me who are caregiving 
and you know working with our working full time trying to deal with our families probably making dinner um Gina's heard me many times extol the instapot um and you know just keeping it all together that that work speaks to me in a way that it I never even thought of it now I'm like oh my god it's like that poor <laughs> I am that I am both of those people yeah I am too trying to <laughs> arrange my face and like <laughs> like be it's recognizable at the same time <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. I think there are so many works that, you know, you come to everything at a museum or you confront objects like with whatever baggage you're carrying that day. And I think that's something we don't we don't think about enough. You know, you think, you know, you go on a big trip and you go to the Louvre and you see the Mona Lisa and, you know, you've seen it. But you saw it that day at that time and you had a blister on your foot because you'd been walking so long and your backpack was heavy and like everything that you're carrying with you that day impacts how you see the work. So I, I'm so interested to think about, I don't know, everything I see right now is through this filter of, you know, this quarantine and self-isolation. So I'm interested to see how long that lasts and like what changes and when it does. I don't know. It'll be fascinating, I think. It really will. And there's no way to know. It's awesome. It's all, in some ways that like there's you're right. It's a good moment. It's an awesome moment to think about art because everything is going to be different. Yeah. I mean, it's just in that. I mean, that's part of the thing for me about this podcast. Like we hope in every episode to bring one artwork to surprise, you know, to have people think about it. But we're asking you to think about it during quarantine to see how it feels different. Maybe um, for some people, they'll be new to this and then they'll be new to the collection. Um, but if you, you know, if you've seen it, it's also interesting to think how maybe what you thought has changed. Definitely. So I'll turn it over to our colleague, Reggie Lynch. Reggie here with this week's Deep Dive. When we chose care as the topic for this week's episode, our team instantly and pretty much unquestioningly landed on organizing the physical evidence, all black, all white, by Brian Bress. But before we unpack our response, you'll need a little background. Brian Bress is a contemporary artist based in Los Angeles. In his work, he combines video, sculpture, painting, and even drawing to create these charmingly strange little vignettes that seem like they're jumping in between reality and his own fantastical imagination and back again. And then, to bend the viewer's mind even further, Bress is actually inside each of those costumes and often can't see what he's doing, meaning he essentially creates the works by touch alone. As soon as the group pitched Bress's work, I was reminded of a comment from a fourth grader who was taking one of our school tours. I was trying to get the group to think about how Bress often has to think outside the box to create his work. And one student raised his hand and said, well, it's kind of like how if you're in an argument with a friend, you have to stop and think about it from their perspective. Kids really are smarter and more caring than the rest of us. But seriously, that take on this work, that empathy that student was talking about, feels so palpable when you watch this piece. There's something tender and thoughtful about each gesture. Perhaps that was because Bress couldn't see what he was doing, or maybe it was more intentional than that. I'm not really sure. 
it just seems like these two characters really care about each other and care about the final product. And then there's this element of humor. I love Bress's work because it tells us that it's okay for art to be funny, and oftentimes that humor is the point. And what a lesson in care that is. That reminder that in spaces or even in times that feel hard or serious, it truly is okay to laugh. Well, that's all for this week. If you need me, I'll be hanging out here on the diving board waiting for our next deep dive. I think that the Brian Bress is a great object. We talked about intimacy a little bit, but I also feel like it's interesting that there's two figures. So much of, for me, social isolation has not, I'm, I'm not single, I have a spouse and two kids, but I also have lots of friends and family who are also dealing with this. And so we're all dealing with this alone, so very isolated, but together. And I think that there is a lot of emotions that I'm seeing and how people are reacting to emotions so differently. Are you, I mean, are you seeing that kind of like heightened emotion? I think so. I mean, things sort of just dialed up, you know, like whatever, I mean, that's kind of how I operate anyway. So, <laughs> but you know, whatever emotion there is, you know, maybe it'd be at a four, maybe today it's at a seven, just because everything's kind of concentrated down and distilled. And yeah, I've definitely been seeing that. Like the joy is more more and the hard the difficulty is more um what there's a saying about that i forget what it is higher highs and lower lows but i but i think that's true in the time of crisis for sure and and that's why i think whenever you do have that little nugget of like hope or productivity or whatever it is to just like let that rule and same thing with the hard moments too like if that's what's actually happening then let that ride right that's obviously what you need to be feeling at that moment you're right. You know what? Like I've been trying really hard to let the roller coaster happen. I've I think I've trained myself to be somebody who is more even. I feel like if you hold it in, it's going to be trapped in there. This is not a moment to tamp down the emotions, you know, cuz like I feel like we should be primal scream. I almost want to like primal scream, you know, like because it's just so much. But for me, the reason I've been letting it like kind of deal with my emotions more is because I've noticed other people's and, you know, we're about, we're about to uh, segue to our second contributor, Caitlin. And one of the things that I was really struck by when I was listening to this is about the idea of empathy. I've been really trying to give myself grace, like being okay with not being perfect. I'm definitely not perfect, but even trying for perfection is like long. <laughs> that ship so sailed. We're just making it one day. Today, we're going to make it this hour. We're like, I'm just so just um, in the moment and trying not to be too, fu- like I'm both in the moment and thinking about the future, which is hard. And then so that therefore so self-focused because I'm like here and there. And what I liked about what I think is hard is um, thinking about empathy and thinking about the other people. And that to me was one of the things that really struck me about this interview. Yeah, I mean, I think um, so you're going to hear from from our colleague Caitlin Evans and she's interviewing So Fun Studio. And they just have a way of sort of taking an emotion that you may have felt and sort of broadcasting it in a way that makes you feel it even more or reminds you of a way that you've felt before. So, you know, there's one, Erin Guido is one of the artists and she has this one uh, piece that just says, come over all the time with an exclamation point. A lot of her work is text-based, which you'll hear about. And it's just so happy. And that's the one when I think of her now that I keep thinking of. I keep thinking of that work because you just want everyone to come over all the time. <laughs> they do their work in such a sort of like joyful and poignant way. Um, 
you're going to love it. If you haven't been exposed to them, you're just going to love hearing from them. And then um, we'll, we'll put stuff in the show notes on how to find their work as well. Hi all, it's Caitlin for this week's Shop Talk, a segment where we connect our weekly theme and featured artwork to regional creatives here in Northeast Ohio. Today, I'm so pleased to introduce SoFun Studio, the collaborative pairing of Cleveland's Aaron Guido and John Paul Costello. SoFun Studio combines Aaron's murals and paper-based work with JP's design and fabrication background. Together, they create joyful and lighthearted public art and products. You might have seen their work around Cleveland or even at the Akron Art Museum's Please Touch exhibit in 2017. So sit back and get inspired as we listen to SoFun Studio's Shop Talk. We're SoFun Studio. I'm Erin Guido. And I'm John Paul Costello. I'm so excited to have you both on. Thank you for doing this podcast with us. Yeah, we're really excited to chat with you. So when we first selected Brian Bress for this podcast, I almost instantly thought of your work, Erin, with its playful shapes and JP's fabrication. I think it really connects well to Bress. That being said, what are your thoughts on Bress as organizing the physical evidence, let alone Bress himself? I mean, I think it's a complete honor that you thought of us in any realm of, of, of Brian Bress. I think He's just a, an amazing artist. Yeah, we came upon his work actually at the Akron Art Museum um, when you guys showed his work. And that was probably the longest time we've ever spent in an exhibit. We loved it. I love how his work kind of plays with, you know, every format. It's like theater and performance, but it's also these paintings and collages and like art artworks and it's sculptural. It kind of mixes everything together. And yeah. And, and they're just like, it's one of those things where you look at it and you're like, oh my God, it's so genius. Like, why didn't I, why didn't I think of that? Like, yeah. Also so simple. They're, they're, and they're so, so simple, funny. but they're so complex and they're, it's just everything about them is so fantastic. That show is beautiful and I'm so glad you spent the time with it. I yeah. always love fourth graders giving them the tour or taking them to Brian Bress's work because they just sit there and watch for so long. Yeah. You know, at SoFun Studio, we like creating interactive works and his work is interactive in like such a different way that you can't look away and it's so yeah. kinetic or movable, but like in a digital format, but it doesn't feel digital at all. It feels tactile and mm -hmm. it's, it's very cool. So that being said, um, our idea this week is care. Do you have any connection to Brian Bress with the idea of care or your, to your collaborative work? Care can be interpreted a lot of ways, you know, self-care, I feel like the act of like just making things is a form of self-care. Like for us, that's kind of like a release. And so being able to be creative, especially if you're just making for the sake of making, that's I think a form of self-care. But then the other side of that is like making for others or making, you know, like public art or Brian Bress's work. Like, I mean, those works, you know, if you're making a public art, it's almost like care for the community or Brian Bress's work. I mean, those are like works of art that make, you know, me forget about everything else and just stare at that. And that is like, you yeah. know, just such a break from the everyday is a form of self-care too. Yeah, no, I mean, Total <laughs> <laughs> no, that was really well put. Now that we've kind of talked about podcast related content, I like to jump into more lighthearted stuff, just like your work, if that's okay. Sure. Yeah, totally. So first question, what's the first thing you do in the morning? Usually it's feed the dog. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whoever gets up first feeds the dog. And our dog, Petra, she is so food centric that she starts crying in the morning, not because she has to go outside or anything, but because she's so hungry. She's just so excited to eat. And so that's usually like, our major form of an alarm clock because she starts crying. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so. Wait, so she doesn't even have to go outside first? 
she just lays back down when she eats. I mean, it's oh like God. she's so hungry. She's so excited to eat. So it's she's really- living like a lot of us are. Yeah, yeah I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and then what are your three desert island studio needs? I would say paper, scissors, and flour. And flour is the last one because we could use it like for food, but also <laughs> to make glue. Because if you boil flour with water, you could make wheat paste, which is a glue. That could be a good double duty one. I like that. I would have never <laughs> thought to double up on studio needs and food in the same breath. The studio need is like, you've got to eat at your studio too. This is true. Yeah, I guess, yeah. I wasn't thinking on that aspect of what I should have. I think a pencil, some kind of ruler or tape measure and uh, an exacto blade of some sort. I'm always losing and I always need. So. <laughs> That's perfect. Kind of similar. What is your favorite studio tool? Mine, I barely ever use it anymore, but a hot glue gun, to be honest. Like, <laughs> I just love a hot glue gun. <laughs> like, <laughs> he does I don't know, love from, a like, hot Being glue. a little kid and like, I used to just build the craziest things. A hot glue gun was always my, my glue. Even just building with the glue itself, it was everything about it I loved. I remember being in college, getting my BFA, and them always telling us never use hot glue gun, but I was always using a hot glue gun because <laughs> it was the most accessible thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's it so is easy. really. And then I would say either uh, scissors or a really good brush. I feel like I'm always looking for that brush if I'm doing like some painting that does like nice clean edges and stuff. So uh, like a paintbrush is really important. But if I'm doing like paperwork, even though exacto blades are more exact, I love a pair, a good pair of scissors. Do you have like a favorite brand of scissors or anything? Or? Um, I'm left-handed. So it just has to be important that they're either left-handed or bothy scissors. Okay. <laughs> because right-handed scissors are really hard. And then let's see. So during these times, what are your silver linings? Uh, I think connecting with friends more more often than we were. I mean, we're we're just leading we were leading such hectic lives beforehand, and it's just really make it made us take a step back. And I think for everybody, you know, just connecting with loved ones. The whole world is doing this, but just so many more like video calls with people, like you know, friends across the country making time to like have dinner together or something like that. Um, it's just really cool to be able to like make that time and yeah. chat with people more often. It's- right. Have you done anything unique with like video chat with friends or family, like games or cook? You mentioned cooking, maybe. We uh, well, we've been kind of doing, I guess, all of those things. We we have um the the app House Party, which I really like, which is an app like kind of like you know any of those video apps, but like more anyone can join your chat, yeah, your you friends can just, with like, them. Yeah, on someone else's conversation. Yeah, and I really like that. Jamie's also doing um, Borrowed a PlayStation for, during this time, and he does like uh, racing games with his friends and chats with them on the app. <laughs> Jordan swears that everybody's kind of going back to their childhood during these yeah, times. Totally. Like he's riding his bike for hours around Kent, and like <laughs> I'm watching CSI Las Vegas that I watched for <laughs> I don't know. I'm loving it right now. So that's great. Yeah, totally. (laughs) And then kind of a fun turnaround is this or that questions. Are you ready? Do we answer together or? You can do at the same time, but your own answer. Okay. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Old or new? Old. Half full or half empty? Half Half full. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Morning or night? Night. Fast or slow? Fast. Fast. Salty. Oh. I don't know. (laughs) I 
I'm very slow. <laughs> Last one, salty or sweet? Uh, salty. Salty, sweet. Although Aaron is definitely, <laughs> my, my sweet tooth is totally, I never used to have one and yeah. I just devour candy now. Then. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> he likes sweets more than me now. <laughs> Do you have like a go-to sweet? Uh, sour gummies. Oh, that's pretty good. Do you have a brand? Uh, no, no, just whatever. Just anything goes. Yeah. <laughs> but you said salty, but kind of sweet now, and Aaron. Yeah, said... I like, 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 I don't, I think, like, gummies and stuff are, like, too sweet for me, but I like, like, a salty chocolate chip cookie or something like that. Or yeah. A little yeah. bit of a blend, yeah. It's, like, the hardest question. We saved it for last, just for <laughs> A question for ages. Right. Yeah. And lastly, if you don't mind um, giving us a plug of where our listeners could find your work or even purchase work. Sure. Yeah. On SoFunStudio.com, we have SoFunStudio t-shirts. And then on my personal website, AaronGuido.com, I have prints and shirts and um, cards and things like that. And, and then also some artwork is available at Oping Party Shop, which is a local Ohio City business. And I know that there's still selling work and things and I love when people support you know the local businesses in our neighborhood yeah we're working on more works for a show in July uh, that's curated by Liz Moggins which we're really excited about but it's kind of like unknown if that will happen exactly how it would normally happen in these times but um, it's a good reason to make new work um, so we're thankful for that yeah and then I feel like our Instagram is just a good place to see what's see what's going, going on, going on. It yeah. definitely gets updated more than anything else yeah yeah so so fun studio instagram check us out <laughs> perfect well thank you both so much for sharing your thoughts and answering yeah. the salty sweet question and <laughs> being our first guests on a shop talk yeah yeah awesome. we're really um happy to chat with you yeah, guys totally. yeah thank you, thank you. So everyone, uh, podcast number one in the books. Thank you so much for listening. If you have anything you want to share with us, please do leave us a voicemail at 330-790-1622 or shoot us an email podcast at akronartmuseum.org. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening to the Relief Podcast from the Akron Art Museum. Comfort and joy for these uncertain times. Relief Podcast is a production of the Akron Art Museum. Today, you heard from museum staff members Seema Rao, Gina Thomas-McGee, Reggie Lynch, and Caitlin Evans, along with Aaron Guido and John Paul Costello of SoFun Studio. Special thank you to Jordan King, who wrote and performed all the podcast theme music. So until next time, take care and live creative.